Good morning, everyone. This week, we've suffered a great loss as a nation. Queen Elizabeth II, our longest reigning monarch, has died aged 96 after 70 years on the throne. Our nation is mourning. Flags are flying at half-mast. TV schedules have been cancelled and replaced with ongoing tributes, with reporters and presenters wearing black. People are gathering in crowds at the places most strongly associated with the Queen, like Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle and Balmoral. Taxi drivers, I don't know if you saw it on Thursday evening, but they, in their hundreds, parked on the Mall. Sporting events have been cancelled. Gun salutes have been fired. Parliamentary business has been suspended. And a period of national mourning has been declared. So what should we do when a nation mourns? Death is the end of natural life. Death is inevitable. Death is where each one of us is heading. And yet, when it happens, it can take us by surprise. I mean, she was 96 years old, and yet there's a surprise element to it. It certainly causes us to grieve and to mourn. And when someone so important, so central, so visible in the life of a nation dies, the natural response is for us to get together and mourn. Collective mourning is a powerful activity. But within that, what should we as Christians do at such a time? How should we act? What should our response be? Well, we need to figure out what mourning really is. And so this morning, I want to draw attention to a few aspects of mourning to help us negotiate this next period. And we're going to read of an occasion in the Bible where there was national mourning. It's in Genesis chapter 50. Now, the context is that towards the end of this book of Genesis, Joseph has risen to be the prime minister of Egypt. And then he's invited the rest of his family to join him in Egypt. The king, of Jacob, sorry, the king of Egypt, who was called Pharaoh, as they all were, welcomed Jacob, that's Joseph's dad. And he went down from Canaan, which was the land given to Isaac, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob by God. And he lived the rest of his life in Egypt. When Jacob finally died, aged 147 years old, we read this at the start of chapter 50. Then Joseph fell on his father Jacob's face and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. I mean, the Egyptians were experts of embalming. We know all about Egyptian mummies and so on. But 40 days it took for them to do that. That was the care put into that process and they wept for him 70 days and this shows us the first thing about mourning is that mourning is about honor in the story we see this period of national mourning 70 days of weeping for the egyptians and we're told in other historical texts that this is an honour afforded to the great Egyptian dignitaries. It's not usually for foreigners who flee a famine to come down to Egypt. But this was about honour. 
You see, Jacob was the father of Joseph, and Joseph was the man who had saved the nation of Israel, the man who was the prime minister, the man who'd heard direct from God about the devastating famine which was to come, and his actions had ensured the survival of the nation. Jacob, therefore, as Joseph's dad, was worthy of honour in the eyes of the Egyptians. Mourning is about grief. It is about loss. It is about sadness, but it's also about honour. Now, you may connect to a greater or lesser degree with the sense of loss at the death of Queen Elizabeth at the moment. You may already be tired of the blanket coverage. Or you may be right in the middle of it, connecting with it deeply. Wherever you're at, what I do know is that if you're part of Jubilee, you understand honour. Honour is one of our cultural values as a church, and we define honour as receiving and releasing people according to how God sees them. Honour ultimately is about recognising what God has done in someone and being thankful for it. And so as we join the rest of our nation in mourning Queen Elizabeth, we honour her because we pause, we look back, we reflect rather than quickly moving on to the next bright young thing. We thank God for her life, her faith, her service, her public devotion. We honour her. Mourning is about honour. And secondly, mourning is about faith. In the passage, it goes on to talk about even more mourning. So, I mean, 70 days is enough. But then in verse 7, as Joseph went to bury his father, so he didn't want to be buried in Egypt, took his body up and buried him in the land of Canaan. So up went with him the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the households, the elders of the land of Egypt, all the household, his brothers, his father's households. Verse 9, they went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. And they came to the fleshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan in the land of Canaan. And they lamented there with very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days mourning for his father. And the locals saw it and said, this is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. And then his sons took Jacob's body and buried it in the cave which Abraham had bought decades before as a burial site. And he was buried in the land of Canaan. I mean, if we think that we've got a lot of ceremony going on, if we think it's a bit of a trek for the coffin to be taken down the Royal Mile today, well, this was from Egypt right across the Sinai Peninsula into the land of Canaan. That was significant. And this morning must have had an impact on Joseph. In fact, when he was about to die, he gathered his brothers and sons. And in verse 24 of chapter 50, we read this. He said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then the, Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. 
in that great chapter of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 22 says this, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. <laughs> by faith, as he was dying, he knew he didn't belong in Egypt. By faith, he knew he wasn't to stay there, not even his bones. By faith, he looked ahead and knew that one day, a day would come when God would fulfill his promise and they would live once again in the land promised to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. This is pure speculation on my part. But I think that during that period of mourning for Jacob, his father, Joseph considered what it meant to be buried. Why had his father asked to be buried in Canaan? How had he held on to that promise so tightly for Joseph who'd lived most of his life in Egypt? For Joseph, I think this period of mourning for his father became about his faith being strengthened so that when it came to his turn to die, he ordered his bones to be carried up from Egypt. He spoke in faith about the future, about God's promises. He became one of those who didn't receive the things promised. He saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And I think that it is in mourning that our faith can be sharpened, it can be challenged, it can be strengthened, because we look afresh at what God has said. We look afresh at his promises and consider them in a new light, because mourning is a time when earthly life finishes and we think about our ultimate destiny. And so, yes, in mourning we do look back and we do honour, but we can also look forward in faith to what is to come. So what promises has God given you that are yet to come? Mourning is an opportunity for faith to develop. And thirdly, mourning is about hope. Our hope is not in the legacy of the queen or in the new king or in our uninterrupted monarchy, or in the peaceful transition of power, or in the continuity of centuries of tradition. All of those things will pass away. Just like the life of Queen Elizabeth, those things too will come to an end. Our hope is not in them. Our hope is unshakable because our hope is in Jesus. And so what this means is that when we mourn, we grieve in hope. In 1 Thessalonians 4, it says this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep or have died, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. How can he even say that? How can we say that? Well, verse 14 gives the answer. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. If we believe Jesus rose from the dead, do you believe that? Because if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then we know that there's a resurrection of the dead, which God brings about for those who are in Jesus. And so we do mourn. We join with our nation and we mourn, but we don't mourn without hope. There should be a difference in the way we mourn. 
Instead of despair, we can have hope and we mourn with hope. So what is this hope? Well, we know that beyond the curtain lies an eternal life of joy and peace in the presence of our Lord, Saviour and King. We know that death is not the end for those who love Jesus. In fact, in the face of death, as we mourn, we declare the last enemy to de be defeated is death. And that is done through the victory of Jesus on the cross and via his empty tomb. We can look death squarely in the eye and say, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the act of mourning which brings our hope back into focus. Because instead of being caught up in the hurly-burly of life, the routine of daily life, we can take stock, we can pause, and we can remember the important things in life. Death and the morning which follows brings into sharp view the fact that we're finite, finite creatures with a limited number of days to live on this earth. And morning reminds us that we have a great hope. And it is this renewed focus which helps to give us strength to deal with the other challenges in life that we face. Mourning is about hope. So mourning is about honour. Mourning is about faith. Mourning is about hope. And finally, mourning is about the gospel. God has given us an opportunity in this period of national mourning for us to speak the truth in hope and love to those we meet. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles. It may be that this loss that we're suffering nationally raises emotions of our own personal grief and loss and brings things to the surface. We shouldn't write this off as weakness or foolishness or irrationality because we never knew Queen Elizabeth personally, so I shouldn't be feeling like that. Far from it. This could well be a moment for God's healing, his wholeness, his comfort. For those of us who have experienced the loss of someone close to us, this period of mourning can be an opportunity for us to invite again the Holy Spirit who is our counsellor and comforter, to draw near and work in us. Because this is what the gospel is about, greater wholeness, greater freedom. And surely if we feel those emotions for us, then there will be many others who feel similarly in their grief. And so we can be that comfort to them. We don't mourn with those without hope because we can speak hope to others. We can comfort others in our collective loss. Just as we mourn with those who mourn, so we can bring comfort and fulfill our Isaiah 61 calling to comfort those who mourn. But there's a bigger thing too. And I'll finish with this. This is a unique moment in our national life and we can be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have.
this week, there will be conversations in workplaces, schools, colleges, hospitals, shops, over garden fences, at supermarket checkouts, at petrol pumps, at bus stops, in hair salons. And there will be an opportunity to talk about the hope that you have. The death of Queen Elizabeth II will dominate conversation for this week and beyond. I'm going to suggest that maybe the nation doesn't quite know what it is doing. We, however, are mourning, but not without hope. You see, the nation couches the life of the Queen as an example in terms of service, duty and devotion. She's been described as the rock on which modern Britain was built. She's been described as the constancy of our nation. Now, now is probably not the right time for us to dispute in details their sentiments directly. But what we can do is change the focus. You see, actually, what the world is noticing is what is most attractive about the Queen. And that is the motivation for service which came from her faith. We can point to this. And in fact, people are pointing to it already. If you look at any news coverage, there's talk of this. The Guardian on Friday wrote, a devout Christian, the Queen's annual Christmas broadcast, which she scripted herself, revealed a woman of unshakable faith. She said in 2000, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. And in her final Christmas message, she said, Jesus, whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock of my faith. His birth marked a new beginning. This surely is the gospel. In Jesus' birth, life, death and resurrection, we can have new life. And didn't Queen Elizabeth express it time and time and time again, the essence of the gospel, that no matter what our status in life, God's transforming power changes each of us and enables us to follow him, to serve him by loving others. It is the faith of our late queen which shines brightest. And as the nation mourns, we can point to that and testify to the same motivation in our lives, the same faith in the same God, the same forgiveness of sins that we have experienced and the same hope that we hold. There is an opportunity for the gospel to be proclaimed as we mourn. Our queen has gone to meet her king and he is our king too. Our mourning nation needs to hear of the hope of the gospel we have as we join them in mourning our collective loss in the light of our eternal hope in Christ Jesus. And so to finish, I'd like to encourage you. The fields are ripe for harvest. This is a moment, this is a time where conversations will naturally think to things beyond this life. There will be opportunities for us to have conversations about faith, to talk about the fact 
that the reason the queen did this was because of her deep-rooted faith in Jesus. And what do you think about those claims? You frame the conversation however you want, but I, I wonder, are you willing to have it? Are you ready to have it? Are you ready to make mourning about the gospel? God bless you.